Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast and welcome to the lovely month of December, uh, the 12th month of the year. One of my favorite numbers, number 12. I am Illegal86 and I'm joined as ever by my fantastic and debonair co-hosts, Nerd Bomber and Tactic. Nerd Bomber, what's the reason for the season? Friendship and family. Okay. Breezen. Friendship and family. Tactic says breezin. Breezin for the, the season. Reason for the reason for the season okay so to do with that information what you will big episode today guys thanks for showing up thanks for rolling in there is some mass effect news yes so naturally we're talking about it that's just kind of how things go around here uh also some rock band slash harmonics news and some dc universe video gaming news very video game centric episode today although the mass effect thing is a little bit more tv related which is a bit of a spoily but uh, before we dive in, you know, how are you guys tra- handling the transition into colder weather? We So on our secret segment in November, we talked about blizzard prep. And that's not, you know, we're fine. There's not a blizzard here. But like, how are you handling the, the transition into, into the, the frigid months? I don't like it. I have now gone into almost full blanket mode. And especially, you know, working from home, basically from the time I get up, I get a throw blanket and I kind of snuggle up in it no matter where I'm sitting. To the time I go to bed, I, there is a throw blanket everywhere I go. Full stop. If I go outside, then obviously no. Then I'm like bundled. And that's a big if. Yeah, I don't I'm, I don't really... Once it goes below like 35 degrees, me going outside, unless I absolutely have to, is like a giant question mark. I hate it. Yeah, I, I'm running into a significant issue, which I know Tactic can sympathize with because... A week ago, a couple weeks ago, maybe, Tactic came to me with with a quandary, which is, if I'm going to see if I get this right, Tactic, correct me if I'm wrong about any of it. But Waterproof slippers, y- right? Yeah. Yep. You needed some waterproof slippers to go outside to walk your dog because when it snows and you have regular slippers... Let me tell you, this uh, is the best purchase of my life. And, and you, if okay, you so ask me you, first, how am I living with this cold weather? I was going to bring up those said. slippers. So did you buy the ones that... that and it's okay if you didn't, but did you buy the ones that I picked out for you? I did. I did pick out I did. slippers. I, okay. You know, they're a little Walk pricey, um, but my goodness gracious. And if you guys want to know what slippers I'm referring to, I will post them on the Twitterverse. But, oh, baby. This is a hot scoop. But they are okay. they are a little pricey. They're, they're L.L. Bean waterproof slippers, and I wear them all the time whenever I'm going outside. The snow doesn't phase me. I mean, I'm not treaching in, like, deep snow, but, like... If it's raining and it's like a, like a dusting or that, I am totally fine and I am warm and I am cozy and I am dry. Now, are you, generally speaking, an indoor slipper person? No. Like, yeah. So, so me neither. So, I've run into a situation where I used to my slip on take the dog for a walk situation was mesh sneakers, which works great until it snows. So I'm running into the, I'm in the same situation that you were in, and I'm also considering. I, I switched to slippers thinking that Please might help. buy the same pair. It did Let's not make help. this a thing. We'll be slipper... Uh, slipper pants. trying to think of a... Slipper you can't pails. get the same yeah, color. I was trying to think of something. You got to get a different color. What color? Well, yeah, you, well, you got the cool color. I remember. Yeah, I got the blue and I tan. I get this color because it, it was cool. I thought there I'll, was I'll an orange it. one that you were really hot on. He was hot and bothered he, by I was, I, I was not. I, I was not hot nor bothered. I think I, I think I liked them in passing. I'll have to revisit it, but... Um, yeah, that's what I'm currently going through that is now there's snow on the ground and my dog still needs to go outside to use the bathroom, which is just profoundly inconvenient, as as you know. And uh, 
my slippers get wet and then my socks get wet and then my life is ruined. So it's, I'm, I'm currently working through that, but we have the Christmas decorations up, which, you know, we live in an apartment, so it's, it's a pretty minimal affair for us, which relative to, I think what you guys do, which is a little bit more involved, but it's getting Christmassy. I think next weekend we're getting a tree. And I think I mentioned to you guys, we're getting a real tree. It's going to be all sorts of pine, piney flavored, piney scented up in our, up in our apartment. So that's a lot to be excited for. But yeah, it is getting colder. Everybody stay bundled up and look into L.L. Bean's uh, Outdoor Slipper. It's not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. So we can dive in. I I, want to start with Mass Effect for reasons that I think are obvious. But so this Mass Effect news is coming out kind of on the heels of another Prime Video debut, which is The Wheel of Time, which I believe we talked about this on the podcast a number of weeks ago at this point, because now it's already out. But... Amazon Prime Video has stated that this is, well, so I'll, I'll give the direct quote from Amazon Studios head Jennifer Salk, uh, which she told Deadline, which is, quote, we can firmly say that Wheel of Time was the most watched series premiere of the year and one of the top five series launches of all time for Prime Video, end quote. Before we get into the Mass Effect stuff, so, so, so Prime Video is one of the many, and I have not watched any Wheel of Time, by the way. I don't know if you guys have tried it. I have not watched it. No, I haven't but tried it yet. What is the deal with streaming services not releasing viewership data because prime video is is the latest of all the streaming companies basically they don't say like netflix gives you a top 10 but i don't even know how founded that is or if it's just what they want you to think is the top 10 like they don't they for reasons don't really release their viewership data i gotta wonder if it's so that when they're pitching for new properties you know if that information isn't public then a potential new suitor might not be able to compare hulu versus netflix versus prime and be like you know gives them leverage yeah like i would get more views if i go to netflix just inherently because netflix get more views you know what i mean that's a reasonable thought and really tamps down the question that i had which is good i was you know it's not like i wasn't looking for an answer but you know Mass Effect. So Amazon Studios is nearing a deal to develop a series based on the best-selling sci-fi video game franchise from Electronic Arts. Now, we talked about this. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but I sent you, uh, both of you, but, you know, I sent it to both of you, but it was predominantly for Nerd Bomber's benefit. There's a YouTuber that I follow, um, and I'll, I'll plug him, Lessons from the Screenplay. And I can't remember the guy's last name. His name is Michael something. And he runs a channel called Lessons from the Screenplay. And he did a whole video essay about how and why Mass Effect could be the next big thing. Like, and he, I think the comparison he directly drew was Game of Thrones. Because there is a vacuum, right, in, in television where it's kind of sci-fi epics with a lot of characters. There's not a lot of know. them. There, there's a void. Yeah, like, like there's a lot of, there's like sci-fi shows like the expanse i think is one of the, like but no one takes those as seriously as say a game of thrones and mass effect has kind of always been viewed by us and i think by a lot of people as having the scope and having the the dramatic gravity to it to be something like a game of thrones that a major studio and a major channel like hbo or amazon or whatever netflix could pick up and turn into a big deal so like this is theoretically the first step towards that I mean, I really hope Um, they see this through because I think as we saw with the hype when, you know, the Mass Effect remaster came out recently, the Legendary Edition, there is still a big audience for Mass Effect. Like it's it kind of went even beyond the normal gamer audience because I think people even outside of your average gaming nerds have heard of Mass Effect to some capacity. And 
like you said, there's just so much good content. The characters are well written. And because with the video games, like Mass Effect is one of those games where, you know, there's a big codex. You pick up different items and different collectibles and you can pick up things. And like they've written the backstories for characters. They've written the lore behind the world of Mass Effect. So even what you see on the surface as you're playing the game, like there's so much more if you dig down deep. There is novelizations. Illegal, you actually sent me a novel last year for Christmas, which was amazing. Sure is shooting. And, you know, it's just, there's so much to mine here. And I think stuff like, you know, Wheel of Time and The Expanse, and I think another one is The Foundation that, did it already come out on Apple TV Plus or is it about yeah, I think, to come out? I think it already came out, but I actually, that's a really good question that I can Google right now. I mean, you know, Wheel of Time is not sci-fi. I don't, I don't put that yeah, in the same. Those are more like high fantasy. And I know Game of Thrones is high fantasy, but they're almost kind of like when we were talking about Dune, they're a little bit more focused, I think, on like the overarching politics. And I, I feel like with Game of Thrones, and maybe I'm just talking on my butt because I haven't watched The Foundation or read anything about the foundation or wheel of time so foundation and it's just foundation by the way we're we're misnaming it but it's it's been going since late september and it was renewed for a second season so it's doing well okay but like i feel like mass effect has the emphasis on characters that i'm not sure that a lot of the other high fantasy high sci-fi series do and the emphasis on a lot like a big cast of characters kind of like game of thrones and the other benefit about this world is that it gets people who are not gamers into it this is this is a fantasy world that can very much entice just sci-fi buffs that don't play video games right and when we've talked about this in the past of you know there's an element here similar to like the last of us tv series that's being being made it's like who even benefits more from this presumably it is the the TV, the television studios, whoever's producing it, the streaming studio, but like the creators of the game, you know, EA in the case of Mass Effect, Sony in the case of Last of Us, like they benefit greatly because like you said, they they potentially draw in new audiences. So it's, you know, kind of a win-win. And, you know, I, I agree with, you know, the emphasis on character, that being absent from a lot of sci-fi series. And, you know, Westworld was another one that I think came very close to breaking. And some people would argue that it did kind of, do what we would think mass effect would do where it's this very character driven sci-fi epic show but isn't it already over or is it still going on it, it, it had a, a spike in popularity that i think has since gone away yeah and i think, I think so. mass effect i think mass effect would have more staying power the question that, you know, i could be wrong that but. i posed to you because that youtuber and who you're mentoring before he actually supposedly wrote an entire script and what i would really yeah. love is because The video, and I know we're not getting paid. This is not like an advertisement for this channel, but I was actually very impressed when I was watching it. Oh, it's an awesome. He's a great, it's a great channel. Definitely check the channel out if you're, yeah. Blessing from the screenplay. He went so in depth and dissected the game and the script and the characters and the story and the lore. And he put together a script at the end. And obviously like I haven't read the script, but just from watching the video, the dedication that he seems to have for the game and understanding, you know, the intent of the story and the themes and the plot devices being used in the game and how that could translate well to the screen. I really like, I want this guy to get a shot. I want to see him have a crack at it. Well, and he, uh, another thing from this video, he, I remember very specifically because a lot of people are calling for a female shepherd and he pitched, do you remember who he pitched? as the shepherd 
I don't um, remember now. He kind of used as an example of why she would be great the movie Edge of Tomorrow, which is Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Oh, and yeah. And he said Emily Blunt would be an amazing female shepherd. And he kind of like. Oh, Charlize you, Theron. No, I want. I think. I don't know. I agree. Emily, with Blunt, Emily Blunt, I think, Blunt, was really yeah. good. And he, he, yeah, so he kind of pitched that. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great video. You should check it out. Um, check out his channel. But yeah, I, I think, and he, yeah, he also goes through and lays out in a lot more structured of a way than we are of like why this should happen and why it's like crazy that it has not happened yet. But, you know, it sounds like it is happening. You know, uh, Amazon has, I don't want to say bigger fish to fry, but they, they have Lord of the Rings coming down the pipe for 2022. So presumably Mass Effect would be a little, a little ways out. I mean, they haven't even, it sounds like they're approaching a deal, but they haven't actually finalized a deal for it yet. It's a deal that, this is a really good idea and I, they clearly agree as well uh, I, this is the sort of thing where i don't think it's going too far to say it's only a matter of time but whether they do it right and you know w- w- candidates for shepherd is something else that is probably deserving of an entire segment you know uh wh- who else besides emily blunt is emily blunt the perfect candidate Charlize theron i know tactic you mentioned um there's probably a lot of really strong candidates i feel less than qualified to lead that discussion having not played the games yet <laughs> i do hope um, they go with the female shepherd i think that femshep definitely like resonated with so many people and not that you know having the male shepherd would be bad i'm sure the show would still be great but i just think that it would definitely bring a unique perspective especially when you think of like space epics typically the lead like space commando guy in all of the movies and like i'm trying to think what was that movie that just came out with chris pratt and Yvonne Strahovski. Tomorrow War. Yeah, Tomorrow War. Like, they're always dudes, so I think it would be just interesting to see a female lead, especially since well, the character I, is so well-written. And you run, I think you run much more of a risk as a writer. Uh, if you're trying to write this space commander character, if you're writing a man, you're going to wind up with a space commander that's like every other space commander, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I think Femship gives you the opportunity to, to skirt that, uh, avoid that, whatever the word may be um and i think that has value so yeah we'll we'll have to wait and see but in the meantime yeah and (laughs) i'll plug his channel one last time lessons from the screenplay does an amazing video about this and and how good this could be i need to play the legendary edition i need to get and play the legendary edition um that's rising up the ranks of my to-do list video game wise especially now that i am a ps5 owner granted it's on ps4 but still i need to get that going so let's stay let's stay in video games. I mean, not really an option. We kind of have to stay in video games. Let's talk about the potential possibility of a Marvel MMO. So uh, the developer of DC Universe Online, I don't know what either of your familiarity is with that. <laughs> uh, Dimensional uh, Inc. Studios is working on a Marvel MMO helmed and led by Jack Emmert, who designed City of Heroes. Uh, and it's currently, as I said, leading DC Universe Online. So, Tectic, you gave an ominous chuckle that leads me to believe you do have familiarity with DC Universe Online. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of kick us off here. What are your feelings about this? So there was a time where I had to choose between studying and passing a physics exam or just playing DC Universe Online. And needless to say, I leveled up pretty significantly that week. And so this game is absolutely fantastic. Um, I played it. I still pop on from time to time. Not as much as I used to. But one of the things that I always kind of wondered what they can do with is by simply skinning it over to Marvel. 
And if that's all they do is just transfer over skin, say Superman's movement abilities will be transferred to Iron Man, um, Hulk will be transferred from the Beast movement, Flash, probably Quicksilver or someone like that. This game is great. And then you can add also moving characters like Spider-Man, which is a whole new type of character that we haven't been introduced yet. And it's great. So if you don't know what this game is, right? what it is, is you have all of these superheroes as sort of their base characteristics. And you pick and choose various movement types, abilities, and things like that to create your own custom character. So yeah, you can have your own DC character, guys, if you didn't know that. Okay. That, that, that's what I was I was what I was getting at was how is it an MMO or what I was going to ask is how is it an MMO if you're just playing as Superman and there's a hundred other people playing as Superman or more like no, Superman is a movement different. style then there's like a beast movement style there's a speed movement style there's a couple other ones since they've expanded since I've kind of fell off the wagon of playing that game due to adult constraints so then would a Marvel MMO I mean, I guess a reskin would be a starting point, is what you're saying. Yeah, and it would be an awesome starting point because there's abilities like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's got a huge fan base, and that alone would probably get a bunch of people making their own very special web crawlers. Right. There's a lot of potential here, you know. And these MMOs, there's a specific, I think, it's like a specific genre of games. You know, this article I have in front of me from IGN also mentions uh, The Lord of the Rings Online, which is incidentally going to be getting you know um, an upgrade to its visuals in anticipation of the amazon lord of the Rings series release which we just talked about so i think mmos that tie into major franchises like this it's just it's a very unique space uh and the fact that marvel doesn't yet have one seems suspect (laughs) like it's it's just uh you know it sounds like one happened or was happening uh marvel universe online in 2006 and then it died Microsoft canceled it in 2008. So it's just like, it's it's weird to think it was canceled in 2008 and guess when Iron Man came out. So like <laughs> they kind of, the timing there is pretty goofy, um, but it's long overdue, I would think. So what would you uh, pick? A movement character similar to Iron Man or Spider-Man? Yeah, Iron Man. There's just more freedom. Spider-Man, and there, there, you know, there's like, there's memes about this, right? Of like, if Spider-Man's not in a city, there's a, there's a car commercial that currently exists about this where like Spider-Man goes outside and shoots a web and it shoots nowhere because he's not in a city with tall buildings. So he can't move around the way he usually can. Whereas Iron Man, just as long as the suit's charged, you're good to go. So I would definitely choose Iron Man. I feel not like Iron Man's not without its weaknesses, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like I still would maybe want Spider-Man because at the end of the day... Like, okay, your movement's restricted, but imagine like getting hurt and stuff. And I know Iron Man has the suit and everything, but you always see in the movies, Tony Stark is getting like battered in his suit. So you want to be Hulk then? Well, no, but like Spider-Man, he, even though he gets like thrown around a lot, he is like the super fast healing and all that kind of stuff. So there's merit to that, even though you can't be swinging around. Well, and you know, it's also worth noting that like... I don't want to be Hulk because Hulk is ugly. No offense, Hulk. I don't want to be green. Wow. <laughs> make your own Hulk. Make, make, make him or her blue. Purple Hulk. I, I, like, I, I think there's, you know, I'm thinking about playing the Spider-Man games and swinging around and how just immensely satisfying that is. And like, there is not really a successful video game Iron Man. Is that fair to say? Like, Iron Man VR is like pretty good. But like, there was a movie tie-in back in like 08 that I played the demo for on the Xbox 360. And I was like, man, how did they get this so wrong? Like it's just it seems like it's just hard in in a video game world I guess to to fully flesh that out. Whereas Spider Man, I think because there's this limitation of how he moves and what he needs, it just makes a little bit more sense. 
So I might go back on my previous answer. You know, if I'm choosing in real life how I would want to I'm doing I would Hulk. choose Iron Man. But, well, Hulk, it's, it's kind of a cheap answer. He can uh, bound also, literally it. across miles. Isn't like the only like the only character who's like theoretically stronger than the Hulk? There's like there's like a handful. There's like Thanos. I think Doctor Thanos Strange isn't stronger than the Hulk. He just has to get angry enough. Well, I mean, there's, what does that the, even mean? The Hulk is limitless theoretically. The angrier he gets, the stronger he gets, and there is no limit to to that strength. I mean, picking the Hulk is a cop out. I, I'm just I'm just I, I'm I'm standing by that. But um, yeah, I mean this this is really cool. I I have never. I never did the MMO thing. Like, even whatever your definition of MMO is or whatever you want it to be. Because, like, the most popular MMO ever... World of Warcraft. You never World of that? Warcraft, right? Never did. I had a little brother who... I think he had a legitimate problem. Like, he would... We never owned the game. He would, like, download this demo thing where you can only go up to level 25. And then he would just do it over and over again. Just to not... I don't know, like, not buy the game or whatever. I don't know how it worked. But... It looked ridiculous. It looked, it's not my thing. I mean, you guys know I have a hard time with RPGs. And like MMOs are basically just RPGs, but massively multiplayer and online. So not my cup of tea, but like it it does seem silly that there is not a Marvel one or really any major media franchise I feel like should have one. So Nerd Bomber, are you, what's your, are you an MMOer? I you mean, know, I've dabbled. I used to be really into them when I was younger, I think. Like, more when I was a PC gamer, I played a few MMOs, but I never really got super into them because, again, it was just, like, very addicting and time sink, and I always felt like, for me, especially, like, I need to accomplish something. And not that you're not accomplishing something in an MMO, but there's no, like, end goal in sight. And exactly. I th- I you think can level up forever. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of my problem with like i don't know any kind of looter shooter that's like everlasting it's about playing with friends it's it's not about end goals well yeah but but there's also like another one of the big issues that i had when i did play mmos the friends that i would play with they were either it's all or nothing you know there were no i'm a middle ground gamer where i don't game like 24 7 but i also game more than like every other weekend you know like i'm i'm a pretty regular gamer but i don't dedicate every evening all evening until three in the morning to it so then the people who would be available to play would be the people who would be like eons ahead of me in terms of their level and then i would feel bad because they'd either have to like pick a a throwaway character so that they could play with me at the lower levels or i would just be dragging them down and then when I would find other people who weren't that intense, then they never wanted to play consistently. So it was just like, Neh. yeah, it's hard, yeah. especially. And this is probably like a thing that not everybody can relate to, but like, I don't like putting my mic on with people that I don't know. I, I feel like I have very bad experiences trying to like get into a lobby and talk to strangers on the internet. I feel like that's probably not that unique of an experience well, for girls in gaming no, yeah, but it's I, like it's just not a fun time so i can't even like find strangers to link up with and play i've just never like and this could be a super unpopular opinion but like i the closest i ever got to that was like being in call of duty lobbies and like hearing people talking to each other and like having a headset but just not talking just like listening but like i can't really imagine i, I know i've never felt the urge to strike up a conversation with somebody i know so many people who have made friends that way but like i just i don't know for me it's more like you know i'll see what people i already know with what their games 
what their gaming habits are, what what games they're playing that I might be interested in. I mean, I played Destiny for a while with Firestorm 501, who used to be on our older podcast. And, you know, that was the closest I came to an MMO experience. And it was fun because I was playing with him, who I knew. And, and you know, like you said before, Nerd Bomber, he, I think he kind of downshifted. He, he was super into Destiny. It was ridiculous. So, like, when I first started, he kind of, like, came down to my level and just kind of, like, goofed around well, I tried to level up and catch up and I never did. And you never can because you're always, like you said, there's no end point, right? So it's just, it's a weird dynamic. If you, you know, MMOs, I think kind of encourage people to get in on the ground floor right away and just hit the ground running so that you're not left behind and I you're not starting late. So you See, don't feel that. I got introduced to MMOs at a young age with Maple Story. If any of you guys recall that one. And up. The community was with people that were way higher levels than I were very welcoming and would show me the way and take me into places that I would have had to grind for a really long time to get to. And I got to kind of take the express flight to see all these different worlds. And it's that community that allows people who didn't get in on the ground floor to, to get in. Maple Story is not made up. It's real. I Googled it. Uh, they're having a Black Friday sale. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's. It's just a genre that, uh, if we've affirmed anything here, it's that it's not for Nerd Bomber and I. Um, like, I <laughs> wish like it very was, much for you. and I've wanted it to be. It's just finding people to play with is difficult. Also, yeah, see, I, I, will, no I will bring another issue up, and this is kind of an offshoot, but Technic and I were actually, you know, we talked about playing Cuphead last week, and one of the issues that we keep running into is that there's no split screen period like there no new games are coming out with split screen and so yeah. when we want to when we find a game that we could be like oh this is great we'll play together because you know we're obviously on the same schedule and we can obviously level pace each other this will be great we need two consoles and two tvs and that's just so much work <laughs> yeah no it's it's well we talked about this on the podcast a hundred times too but it's a tragedy it continues to be a tragedy and uh hey you know marvel mmo listen up this is maybe maybe make a split screen mmo i don't even know how possible that is but it seems like it should be perfectly possible so give it a whirl and get back to us there is no release date on this marvel mmo i would think we're talking about 2023 at this point but again nothing yeah nothing super listed at this point so we'll hit you back on that let us know hit us up on twitter at online warriors one at ow of the 86 at ow tactic at ow nerd bomber what marvel mmo character do you want to play or what 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 characteristics do you want to synthesize from other from all the marvel superheroes to create your superhero and also what do you think of mmos uh, hit us up and let's have a conversation so now it is time it is that time where we take an ad break but before we do it is that time where we shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr stephen keller stephen Thank you so much for continuing to support the show. And thank you so much for making the smart decision to get your hands on all that extra online warriors content that the rest of you are missing out on. Uh, so Steven is a night level supporter on our Patreon. He gets this producer shout out. He gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. He gets input into our weekly game segment. And he of course gets the occasional guest spot as well. There's also a squire level of support, which gets him gets anyone who does it access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and there is also a stalwart and noble page which they get access to the monthly secret segment so for details on all of those levels of support you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast check us out there uh, we appreciate any help 
keeping the computers running and keeping this podcast coming in to your ears. So yeah, thanks again to Steven. And uh, we'll take a short break now to shout out a sponsor who also helps us keep this going. And we'll be back to talk about harmonics. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online, running an office or side hustle, or even just sending Christmas gifts, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. You can access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip. And you can get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple of floors? Sure, take the stairs. But if you're walking up 30 flights a day, you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. You know, over the last few weeks, especially as my holiday shopping has been ramping up, I've been looking at all of my packages that I didn't get to send directly to all of the people that I'm gifting who are out of town. And I was just kicking myself. I was like, oh, you know, how am I going to take care of this? I'm going to have to make so many trips to the post office. And stamps.com has come in clutch helping to save my time and money getting those gifts shipped out to all of my friends and family. You can save time and money yourself this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD, that's POD, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. There's no long-term commitments or contracts. Again, just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code POD. And thank you again to Stamps.com for sponsoring this week's episode. We really appreciate it. And now, let's get back to the show. Hello, we are the Black Tower Podcast, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am Josh, your Sorovan Mahal. I'm Daniel, your Amin Khan Mahal. And I am Andrew, your Bajan Mahal. Every week, we have full spoiler discussions about Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. Themes, characters, cultures, the TV show, nothing is off limits. If it's the Wheel of Time, we're talking about it. New episodes drop every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So check out our website, blacktowerpod.com, to find our socials, episodes, merch, and Patreon. All right. So, Fortnite. We're back We're back to Fortnite. Look, we're, we're a gaming and pop culture co- uh, podcast and uh, that's just that's bound to happen now and again uh, epic games the creator of fortnite has bought harmonics and if you don't know who harmonics is they developed rock band rock band is not going away uh, harmonics says nor is their new game which is called fuser which i admittedly know very little about but it came out last year um, they also are behind the dance central series of music games basically and uh yeah epic games has acquired them which you know on paper, I think is a very, very sensible match. We all know the Fortnite dances. The Fortnite dances need music. I, I, I think we overlook, especially as people who don't really play Fortnite, we overlook kind of the close ties between Fortnite and music. I didn't know before reading this article, you know, Fortnite has virtual concerts. 
They've had musical events, oh, virtual yeah. concerts featuring Ariana Grande, Travis Scott, uh, who I think currently is going through a PR nightmare right now, and Marshmallow. And, you know, again, it's just, I think it makes a lot of sense. In, in, you know, Epic Games is currently in an absolute buy everything mode. Um, they bought the Fall Guys studio earlier this year, Mediatonic. Uh, they bought a mall, which again, I don't know. I don't know why they bought it, but they're just buying a lot of stuff. They're expanding, which makes perfect sense. They're the, still probably the most popular game around besides maybe like Minecraft. So this makes sense. I'm a little worried about Rock Band. Not that I'm a Rock Band player, but I'm actually also kind of sad that like Rock Band, I think kind of faded out and like Guitar Hero faded out and all those games faded out when I think they were really, really cool. So it would be cool if Fortnite and Epic Games found a way to bring that sort of gameplay back. You know, Beat Saber tried to do that, and some would argue successfully, but, you know, the VR barrier to entry is pretty steep. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, where are you guys at on this? We're not, none of us are Fortnite players, so we don't have a horse in that race, but what does this mean for harmonics? You know, and as much as they say Rock Band is fine, everything's going to be fine, do they have the bandwidth for putting out Rock Band games that are not just direct Fortnite, you know, expansion content i think specifically what this has merit for is with respect to harmonics working into the metaverse and having the financial backing to do so effectively ah the metaverse we're back to the metaverse so how does the metaverse tie into fortnite did i miss that well i think i think in the long run and i I was a little shocked when i saw metaverse on here too and tactic i don't know if this is where you're going but i think in the long run they're probably planning you know having some kind of VR presence, especially with Meta making this push. I mean, they're basically, there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Meta and Oculus, which is now not being called Oculus. I forgot. Are they just calling it Meta VR? But like, they're obviously making a concerted effort to make a push into VR and making that a big way that we interact with people. And so I understand Fortnite trying to like kind of get ahead of that because I mean, the concerts are, were a good first step. I mean, Obviously, it's not quite the same, though, when you're on your couch watching it on a flat screen. So it'll be a little bit more immersive. And you can play along with them. Right. If you're in a VR area. So I I get them wanting more manpower to make their musical presence better, especially if this is like a direction that they definitely know they want to go in. They want to expand what Fortnite is. So it's not just a game. It's more of a experience and a place to hang out. It's just, it's sad to me because Harmonix was always one of those studios. They weren't necessarily big budget games. They weren't games that, especially in today's day and age, people weren't running out to buy Fuser. People weren't running out to, you know, buy old, like I think they're still working on Rock Band 4, which came out, it feels like ages ago. And they're still, to their credit, putting out new DLC and content for it. But it's not... It's not a console seller anymore. I don't know if people would even want to play that anymore, but it still makes me sad. I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but I have so many fond memories of playing rock band. Like For there me, was it's Guitar Hero, but yeah, it's, yeah. Well, there was like that, because Guitar Hero was kind of more of a solo or duo experience, but rock band, you got mm-hmm. to have like four or five people together. And I just remember it was like, a cultural I, I always use the word cultural zeitgeist but it kind of felt like it was for like a, it's like a touchstone yeah, yeah. Plus, it, it's rock everyone remembers playing rock band set. once there i said it well yeah so yeah guitar hero did come out did they they did try to match the rock band thing where they had a drum set that yeah was not as good yeah it, cultural touchstone cultural zeitgeist you know that the whole thing there was a period of years 
where if you were at a party or a get together, it was there and you and you tried it. Yeah, right? exactly. And it, it, and it was fun because it was, you know, it was very, it was a good way to get people involved in video games. That wasn't really directly a video game. It was more like, hey, let's pretend we're in a rock band. Uh, and yeah, the thought of losing that is definitely uh, not the best. But, you know, I, like what I'm sitting over here thinking about is, was there anyone else who should have or would have or wanted to buy harmonics because i'm sitting here thinking about how you know harmonics also has the dance central series and how they're so they're totally focused on these rhythm-based games right it just like tiktok tiktok dancing don't you think tiktok should buy harmonics like shouldn't they have bought harmonics doesn't that make more sense or am i just crazy here yeah like, but i just wonder how TikTok they would like, TikTok thing. doesn't have a game element to it for the most part and i don't know how harmonics could it that's that's fair honestly yeah like it's I, i'm just i and maybe that's totally barking up the wrong tree but i'm like i'm thinking about how this fits into fortnite and to me that's a little bit less clear than something like tiktok that is fully music is already so ingrained into it and to you know to be fair it sounds like music is very ingrained into fortnite as well but like it just to a lesser extent i think i don't know i just for all i know they there was never anything that was even remotely considered by anybody um and they'll steal our idea now or my idea now but i think this is an interesting collaboration again just because you know you know i learned a lot about just how you know into the music thing fortnite is getting and i think that's really cool but yeah i guess pour one out for the old school guitar hero rock band experiences because those may be on their way out and we're, we're we're all the worse for it I, I i think there was something very communal about that and maybe Fortnite will find a way to revive it you know but what was the best memory you have of those old school physical rhythm games i'll call it because i mean there's still sleepovers it was always sleepovers but like is there like a specific song that you remember like going all out for I have um to, like, oh you know. i was a big fan of carry on my wayward son which i think was in guitar hero 2 playing that in like duo mode or whatever you wanted to call it I, that's that's one of the songs there were at one point i went on a school trip with some friends and we you know we were high school kids and we had a hotel room and one of the kids brought his xbox 360 and the guitar hero 2 and like it was a little sad actually because we were like we were in a new city that we could have like gone out and explored and done things and instead we played guitar hero like crazy for like a week but yeah carry on my wayward son uh was a big one for me but it sounds like you have a very specific singular experience i mean my my friends in high school we played guitar hero like on the reg we were playing guitar because like that was kind of our thing like we'd all hang out and it would be like we'd be able to phase in and out and kind of rotate who was playing but then there would just be like something that we would have on in the background where we're all like talking or eating pizza or whatever and a specific memory that i have is we watched i love you man and one of if you're not familiar with that movie you should watch it but one of the big things in that movie was, you know, they were obsessed with Rush. And so my friend downloaded Rush songs for Rock Band. And that was like what consumed us perfecting the Rush songs on Rock Band at like the hard- hardest difficulty for probably like two weeks. And it was so much fun. Tom Sawyer. Absolute jam, by yep. the way. Also like the only Rush song that I know pretty much, <laughs> but a really good song. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have to see about what happens to Harmonix here. But uh, big news for Epic Games. Epic Games continues to expand, and uh, that's not going to be stopping anytime soon. We're headed into What Are You Up To Wednesday. We need to find out what we've all been up to. Um, 
I will say it has been a slow week for me. And it, well, I think maybe a slow week for all of us in the sense that it was a holiday weekend. So there was a lot of my time tied into that. But I do want to shout out a couple of things. The first being I've exited the Fitbit ecosystem. My Fitbit, shout out to Fitbit. You guys suck. Uh, wow. Not a, not a fan. I got a Fitbit and I was really happy with it for about a year and a month, which, you know, not coincidentally, I mean, I imagine is right after the warranty expired. It started draining batteries super fast and the screen started fading and I contacted them and they told me to go piss up a rope. So I didn't do that. And instead I said, I'm going to not have a Fitbit anymore. And so I purchased a fossil hybrid HR smartwatch. This is a smartwatch and the HR stands for heart rate. So it does all the fitness tracking that Fitbit does. But additionally, what it is, is it has actually mechanical hands. So it looks like a regular watch. And the background of the watch, like the face of the watch, is e-ink, like a Kindle. So it still displays smartphone notifications. It still vibrates when someone sends me a Snapchat or whatever. And I see on my watch, on that e-ink background, what the notification is. So kind of best of both worlds. It also has like a multi-week battery life. So, so far, super, super stoked about it. Super happy with it. Can't recommend it enough. But Grant, I've only had it for about four days. So I guess... I can field Twitter questions and continue to update people on my experience with it, but so far, very positive. The other thing I want to talk about, anyone who knows me knows that there is a a genre of movies that I really appreciate. Christmas movies being one genre that I really appreciate. Romantic comedies being a Christmas or being a genre of movie I also very much appreciate. Put those two genres together and and have them have a baby. Did you watch Hallmark? No. Throw Jack Black in there. And oh, the holiday. The holiday. I watched the holiday for the first time. You hadn't watched it yet? What a delight. What an absolute uh, joy it was. Have you have you seen it? Oh, yeah. I saw that in theaters back in the day. It's leaving Netflix. But unfortunately, by the time this episode airs, it will be off Netflix. We watched it because it's leaving Netflix November 30th. But oh, my goodness. It's just and by the way, Hayes, I watched it with my fiance. Hayes, she did not like it. She was she she doesn't go in for the rom coms too much. I do because I I I check my intelligence at the door. Uh, and you said it's no longer on Netflix. <laughs> it's, it's leaving well, Netflix. Well, I guess it's I'm leaving not Netflix see it anytime soon. So as of this recording, it's still on Netflix. But by the time the episode this episode airs, it will it will be off Netflix. It's just yeah, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just a Christmas rom com. That's all you really need to know. Kind of like Love Actually, but also a lot more far fetched than Love Actually is but in, in a just delightful way. Kate Winslet, Jack Black. I will say the one, uh, Jude Law is great. The one downside of the movie, I cannot believe Cameron Diaz was ever actually a famous act- actress. And like, I don't know if anyone ever considered her a good actress, but she's one of the worst actresses ever. And also she is like kind of strange to look at. She's not so that's that bad. Like, she was so bad in this movie. There were certain scenes that she almost ruined. Luckily she didn't because the movie was amazing. But... I am not a Cameron Diaz fan. The best Cameron Diaz movie is Shrek, and that's because it's only voice acting. But yeah, The Holiday, super great. Um, if you have the means to watch it, that's not Netflix. If you want to like rent it or something, super recommend. Just know what you're getting into. Watch the trailer first, and you'll get a sense of how ridiculous it is. And if you're in the mood for ridiculous, you're going to love it. So that's that's my update for the week. And I'll swing it over to to my guy, Tectic. Tectic, what's, what's life been like for you these days? All right, so I had finally finished Miles Morales Spider-Man, and it was a good game. The ending was pretty 
expected. I'm not going to spoil it because Illegal has not played it yet. But all in all, great game. The other thing that I want to talk about is Nerd Bomber and I had watched a movie called 8-Bit Christmas. Oh, yeah, I watched this too. This was, this was not included in my update, but I did watch it. So this is a good continue. movie. If if you like a Christmas story, it is the Christmas story for our generation. And it is absolutely fantastic. It has it has some feels. It's got some... I was laughing. Like, I... And I'm going to get some flack for this, but I thought this movie was better than a Christmas story. Yeah, see, that's not correct. But yeah, that's just it was fine. false. I just... I relate to this better. There, there wasn't a scenario in which I really wanted a... Uh, a BB gun, but there was a scenario in which I really wanted a console as a kid. I mean, fair enough, but that doesn't mean it's better than the Christmas story. That's just... And it ended with just the same thing as me, kids wanting to just build tree forts. That's so good. That's so good. The I will say the Steve Zahn factor is through the roof. And I'm a big Steve Zahn fan. So for me, that was a, a definite plus. It's he was fun. everyone it was a fun movie. dead. On the nose. Yeah, it was. it was a very fun movie. again it's not a movie you want to go taking seriously but it was well done it was enjoyable anything else to to pass along here or is that your um i'm just gonna brag about nerd bomber real quick she made bacon wrap dates oh i did do this they were good you should you should take her on a bacon wrap date i don't even know what that means i just thought it might be cool to say it probably involves blankets i would assume but bacon like bacon blankets but wrapped so like burrito like a blanket, blanket burrito. How long do you think it would take you to weave an entire blanket out of bacon? Because that's what we're talking about here. Not long. Probably a okay, while. Get, might want to get started. Uh, that sounds amazing. Uh, I have had a bacon wrap date. I didn't think I was going to like it, and then I did. That was that's the. Like, it's an interesting it. texture profile and taste profile. There's really a good balance of like sweet and savory happening. And then also stuffed it with goat cheese. So like you've got the creaminess. It's you don't think it would be good, but they all work somehow. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't really have much of an occasion to eat dates. So I, I just didn't know what to expect. And I was like, oh, that's OK. That's actually really good. Right on, Nerd Bomber. Where, where am I? Um, my mom really loved them. So she ended up kid- not even kidding. Like we left the leftovers of those with her. Actually, most of the leftovers we left with them. We had like a two day Thanksgiving extravaganza and then she got all the leftovers as she should um, as the elder. But she really loved like she was hounding those things. She loved them. So I signed myself up. I have to make more at Christmas time. Well, right on. I'll be anxiously waiting. I'm, I'm kidding. You don't need to like bring me any. But that sounds awesome. I'll bring you a um, single bacon wrap date. No, I'll bring one for Hayes too. Two bacon wrap dates. Two single bacon wrap yeah. dates. You know, yeah, that, no, that sounds good. That sounds weird and memorable. So very cool. Uh, do, do you transition it to you? What's the scoop from you this week? So I finally finished, and I don't even remember if I brought up that I was ever reading it. But back before Halloween, I started reading Sleeping Beauties by Stephen King. And it's a big book. It is over 700 pages. So it took me a while to get through. And I finally finished it. This is my second, I have to kind of give myself a little pat on the back. This is my second 700 plus page book that I've finished this year. So look at me, way to go. Usually I stick to like the 300-ish page range or lower, but you know, I, I went big or went home and I didn't, well, I, I guess I was home when I was reading. But You were home. Yeah, you were, you were definitely home. It was big and home. But the book was actually really good. Um, The premise is basically that one day, all of the women in the world, when they fall asleep, they start getting wrapped in cocoons. And 
they don't wake up. They're just swathed in a cocoon that like comes out of their nose. It's something like it's attached to them. If you try to pull them out of the cocoon, they wake up and they basically attack whoever is disturbing their sleep and they go back to sleep. And essentially the entire world is impacted. Nobody has any idea what's going on. And there's one woman in this small town in Appalachia who it's kind of mystical can like when she gets arrested, like she basically kills a couple people, a couple drug addicts and then gets arrested and then is kind of like creepy and mystical. And she is the only woman in the world who does not develop a cocoon and can wake up and sleep like as normal. And so, yeah, at will. Thank you. And so the beginning of the book, I will say there's a lot of characters here. I want to say I read somewhere that this book was initially intended to be made as a TV show. And so you can kind of tell because there's like even the book starts off and there's like a five page list of the characters and who they are and stuff like that. Full casting list. And there's a lot of different characters that you follow. So the first half of the book is really setting up a little bit of like background information, who these characters are, why you should care about them. And the bulk of the action really doesn't get going until the second half. And I will say like initially I was like, okay, this is is starting to get a little bit of a slog. Like I'm in about 350 pages and like I know my cast now, but like I need some action here. But then finally the action did pick up and I will say the back half of the book really took it home and I was super glad that I read it. I think it's... It's an interesting kind of case study, and this isn't the only book that I've read where it kind of is like a gender study on what happens in society if you either remove or flip gender roles. But it's an interesting case study, like what would happen potentially in the world if women just disappeared and what a man ruled world would look like. And I will say it was it's a very good read. If you're interested in that kind of thing or even interested in like mystical, it wasn't super like creepy or anything. I I haven't read enough Stephen King, but I feel like and illegal. Maybe you can talk on this a little bit, but I feel like Stephen King gets this rap for being like spooky, which is why I started reading it around Halloween. And it wasn't really. It was more just like this is happening. And here's the like political ramifications. But Stephen King, and, and there are times when he chooses to lean into that kind of opinion of him, but a lot of his books are not scary as much as they are just fantastical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like this is an, an example of that. You know, the plot actually reminds me of that. We talked about that show, Why the Last Man, which was just kind of the, the reverse of this, right? Which is, mm-hmm. what if there were no more men, basically? Um, but yeah, the, the, the character problem you're talking about where there's a million characters, you're describing why I have never finished The Stand. I've started it about a hundred times, have never finished it because the first part of the book introduces about 50 characters. And oh my goodness that's you know like i have the same problem actually i've started reading the naked and the dead which is a famous norman mailer book a bunch of times and it they has you know 20 male characters who are all military age men that i can't keep straight <laughs> so like it's it's a problem and i think it's one that stephen king commonly runs into not just in the stand but in other books um and i think way to stephen way to king, surmount it like he does a lot of his properties and books do turn into TV shows and movies. So I can't help but think that he's not writing with that in mind a little bit because these characters on page, you know, their names kind of all blend together. But if they were a specific actor on a screen, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's that guy is the fireman guy. You know, it wouldn't be like, who is this guy again? Let me me go back and look. I, I would say on a case by case basis, that is true in the sense that there are certain things that he may have a mind for that. And there are other things that he does not. 
the stand i think he did actually have a mind for that when he wrote it and that's why it it eventually did become a tv series one that i don't think was particularly successful that just recently came out but yeah he's an interesting writer yeah this was my first like big foray into stephen king like i've I've dabbled in some of his shorter books but this is like the first time i sat down and read one of his like epics and i know they featured the book prominently in season one of you which i think is what made me kind of go back and be like oh i've had this sitting on my shelf for a while i should probably read this so it was good though good read recommend he can be he can be verbose on occasion as you just learned from reading a 700 page book that he had a hand in writing but like it's you know it's worth he, he makes it worth it for you a lot like eleven twenty two sixty three is another stephen king book that is like a thousand pages that i read and loved so if some, i think if someone can take you through a thousand page book and keep you happy it means they're pretty good at you know writing books oh yeah so. definitely and i mean it's a stark contrast compared to when i read to sleep in a sea of stars which that was my other 700 page plus book and i it, it's one of those things where i felt guilty because it was a book that was gifted to me and i wanted to like it but by the end i was just like i need this to be over and i did not a, feel that way about sleeping beauties and a bit of a less experienced writer there uh no doubt no yeah, shade to sure. chris Polini. aragon was awesome but maybe get some more uh get some more experience going there well hey that takes us to quiz time we made it assuming you were done i don't know if you had something else to yeah no i'm mostly done i am taking tactic through revisiting 30 rock because he's never watched it so in the spirit of that you've never watched 30 rock nope tina fey is a gem there i said it never got around to it well you should because it it's a i mean it's dated now because it came out when was it yeah yeah. i think 2008 i don't know that's not one of my quiz questions but i'll throw it on the pile but yeah, you should definitely, I mean, it's one of those 30 minute or less shows that you can toss on and it's kind of like watching The Office or Parks and Rec. I mean, not, not the same vibe, but like that workplace comedy that is. Yeah. Light comedy yeah. kind of. Yeah. So in the spirit of that, I'll transition to the quiz, which is all about Tina Fey. I love mm. So what we'll She's do. Great. Um, it's another Price is Right style quiz and I have five questions and a tiebreaker Illegal, you will go first. Actually, no, Tactic will go first because I, I want him wow. to lose. So wow, <laughs> I'll I'll I'll, t- I'll take the advantage. Biased already off the start. The first question: Tina Fey made history when she became the first female head writer of Saturday Night Live. In what year was she promoted to that position? Two thousand one. No, 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 no. Nineteen ninety five. Yes. Boy. I'm going to say 2001. I think you had it. 2001. And Tactic is his first point of the game. She was Uh, actually promoted to head writer in 1999 when the previous head writer, Adam McKay, stepped down. So, as I said, she became the first female head writer on the show's history. I knew 2001 was really close, but I felt like it was at risk of busting. Well, uh, this quiz is garbage, but let's continue. (laughs) Hey, you Uh, still have time to, to come back from that. It's okay. So she left Saturday Night Live to go on to create 30 Rock, which we were just talking about. How many episodes of 30 Rock would eventually be created? A lot. Oh, boy. 160. I believe it's actually 104. Wow. Technic is off to a hot start here. Aleel, you were actually really close, but you busted just by a little bit. There were 139 episodes of 30 Rock. Yeah, see, this quiz is garbage. Okay. <laughs> well, he busted by just as much as I was away, so... Yeah, I just wanted him to feel good about himself. 
Well, mission not accomplished. All right, so it's two nothing. So I'm my back is already up against the wall here. Yeah, you um, have. If you get this next question wrong, you basically lose. But basically, try to Thank try to stay that. in it. No pressure. But Tina Fey made her feature film screenwriting debut with Mean Girls. One of the characters in the movie, Kevin Nepore, gives Lindsay Lohan's character his phone number. This is actually one of my favorite questions. What is the sum of all of the digits of that phone number? Does it include area code? Yes, Ooh, it does. Question. Ooh. Like one ba 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 or or are we talking ten digits or nine digits? Oh, there's no like um How many digits? There's no country there's code. There's no country code. Okay, so nine digits we're talking a nine digit phone number. Ten. No, ten. There's three in an area oh, yeah, code, yeah, yeah. three we're in talking the ten first. Digits. Yeah. For all of those who are not privy to what's going on in the room, Tactic has whipped out his calculator. Oh, I go first. I have also I have also whipped out my calculator. Yes, you go first. So what is the sum of all ten digits? Yes. Correct. I'm gonna go sixty-three. Okay. I'm curious how you would have gotten that number. I, I'm I'm gonna say So there's a science to mine. I'm gonna say forty. Your science proves to be correct. The sum of all of the digits of the phone number is forty nine. So you are very close. I wanna I was, know what I, was your technique? I very nearly said 50 because I was just taking... So every digit can be 0 through 9, right? What's the middle of that? It's either 4 or 5. Mm-hmm. And multiply that by 10. So just basically try and take an average. And well, that, I almost went with 50, which would have been heartbreaking. Sort of what I, I did 40. was I assumed that 90 is the max that you can go, right? 10 times 9. And so I just subtracted right. that off because statistically, you're not going to have all 9s. You subtracted what off? Just I I want I feel felt like it was going to be mostly numbers higher than five, so I said okay sixty three. This means I stay alive. This is huge, very exciting. So it's two to one. There's two questions left. Spaces are loaded. What do we got? In 2010, Tina Fey was awarded the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, becoming the youngest recipient of the award. How old was she at the time? And what year was that? 2010. Who? The calculators are back out. She was 40. I don't need a calculator for this. She was 40. Tactic, don't be Googling. She was 44. Illegal, you are still in it. You hit it right on the nose. She was 40 years old when she won the Mark Twain Prize. So the secret to my success so far is just guessing 40 on every question. And I stand by that. So it's tied. Oh my gosh, the bases are loaded, guys. It's tied going into the last question. I swear. How often does this happen? All right, hit us with it. Uh, I I get last ups here. This is huge. You do. I thought this was a text in. That's... Usually let's make only it one. no, but okay. let's make it one. That's fine. Did let's you know do this fair and square that one of Tina Fey's earliest professional quote unquote acting gigs was voiceover work on a pinball machine called Medieval Madness? In what year was Medieval Madness released? Okay, hang on. Okay, my answer is in. Okay, you both gave me the same year of 1989. That's so. unbelievable. <laughs> uh, okay, well, what do we do? We can use my tiebreaker. I guess for now, I'll just tell you the answer to this one and we'll use the tiebreaker because that has a little bit more void over, I guess. Okay. So Medieval Madness released in 1997. Nobody got points on that one because it was a tie. We were quite a ways off. Yes. So this is now for all the marbles. Great great minds think alike tactic. And if you guys text me the same number again, I will be shocked and stuck. 40. It's 40. (laughs) As you may or may not know, Tina Fey wrote an autobiographical comedy book called Bossy Pants, which actually topped the New York Times bestseller list for quite a while. How many pages long is that book? 
Can you repeat the question? Mm. How many pages long is Tina? No, the full question. Tina Fey wrote an autobiographical comedy book called Bossy Pants, which topped the New York Times bestseller list. How many pages long is the book? And this is a text well, in. Well, Tactic asked for needless clarification. I sent you my answer. You guys suck. You both busted. Yeah. Um, I'm going yeah. to give you guys a chance to go back and give me another answer, just knowing that you both busted without me giving you the answer or... Oh, wow. That is a, that is a totally... That adds a whole other element to this. Yeah. Uh, okay. You have a new answer from me. All right. So I'll give you the old answer and the new answer. Tectic said 340 and then came in with 110 on his second try. Illegal came in at 289 and then came back with a second answer of 250. 250 won Illegal the game. The book was 277 <gasps> oh. pages I long. was so close the first time. I knew I was close. Oh, yeah. Tactic. Don't call it a comeback. Actually, I would appreciate it if you called it a comeback because it was exactly a comeback. Great comeback it I'm was. I'm so mad about the 1989 one because I originally put 1990 and then just backspaced it out. Should have stuck with your guns, man. So I moved to 17 and 4 on the year. Tactic moves to 10 and 11. Nerd Bomber at 12 and 11. Yeah, we have what? Three weeks left. Two, four weeks left. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But still a dead heat. I will be hosting next week. And that's that's the true test of metal, I feel like, uh, th- these days with the podcast uh, quiz section. Who comes in second? And who comes in last? Well, and who's going to have to do something? It's basically locked in. Well, with that attitude, it is. No, I mean, but yeah, mathematically, it it's locked in. It, well, yeah, because when you win, you host a quiz. So I think you're right. I think if you lose next week, it's over. So I don't know. Go study. Um, sp- spend the next week. Studying everything. Of your- yeah, of your life, just kind of just kind of hitting the books. Uh, we thank you all for joining us here on the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We encourage you to go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, hit us up on our Twitter handles we already mentioned, talk to us about any of the things we discussed on today's show, and get out there and uh, go to the Christmas tree farm and just talk to one of those folks about you know the podcast and also about Christmas trees and like varieties of Christmas trees. There's a lot to be learned there. And it's the holidays. So what better time? Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.